Are you in your 40s, approaching your 40s, past your 40s, and wondering, what the F is happening to my body, in my relationships, with my family, in my career, generally all the things. If so, then you're in the right place. We're your hosts. I'm Beth. And I'm Dana. We're here to bring people together to explore and have real, raw conversation about being 40-ish. So welcome to What the 40-ish, a podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to What the 40-ish. Thank you for joining us for another episode of What the 40-ish podcast. Today, we have a very special and near and dear to my heart guest, Randy Reinish, who is a friend of mine. We've known each other for, gosh, since our kids were what, in kindergarten? Uh, kindergarten, first grade, first grade, first grade, I think. Yeah. And so I was still really new to the area when I met Randy and she immediately became one of my favorite people because she's just so fun and full of energy and just genuinely a loving, caring person and just likes to spread joy around. And those are the kind of people you want to surround yourself with. And I wish that we had more time to spend together and but our kids go to different schools now. And so we don't yeah. see each other as much. And we're both, ext- you know, have been extremely busy over the years, but we still stay in touch and we still, yeah. we still hug each other when we see each other in public. And it's a natural friendship. It is. It yeah. is definitely a natural friendship. Yeah. And we're going to get something on the calendar. Yeah. So now I just have to say, now I'm pissed off because I was up there for 10 years and I knew Beth out at what, eight of those 10 years. And I never met. Oh, we you. never met. No, what the hell, Beth? You were just yeah, I, don't know how you guys, I don't know how you could not meet Randy because she worked at Misguided Angels, which was right there. I never went in that store. The store did not fit my body. <laughs> <laughs> but they had cute jewelry. I can't believe I never met you. I know. Um, but go and Beth. Yeah, I know. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. But we invited Randy here to talk about, you know, real life and living with anxiety and depression and uh, Randy has been very open about, you know, her, her path and her struggles in that arena. And so we've invited her because she's just been not only a very real advocate, but also a encourager for others who are going through similar things, but also people who are, have other struggles that have nothing to do with anxiety and depression. She's just out there. Just what, what do you need me to cheerlead you for? I'm going to do it. And so we invited her today because we are going to talk about that because we know a lot of people, and especially with COVID, it's been like magnified times 20, yep. Yep. Um, that people are struggling with depression and anxiety. And I know for me, I, it's not, I would say it's not something that I fortunately have not struggled with a lot. I will say that I am. I have had my bouts of definitely of depression. Anxiety is not one of the things that I deal with, but depression is definitely one of the things that situationally a few times throughout my life, I have, yeah. I have hit there. Yep. And then more recently, I would say not really situationally, but just really had a, a few, I would say a few months where I was really, really struggling and I could not pinpoint a situation or one particular situation that brought me to that point. And that was very scary for me. And I really didn't know what to do with those feelings because they were 
a little bit new because even with depression before a situational, I never felt despair. And in those two months I was feeling despair Yeah. and I couldn't really pinpoint it. So anyway, again, off on a tangent already, just <laughs> but welcome Randy. Um, Thank you. Have you, why don't you um, tell us a little bit about you? So let me see. I just turned 50 on Monday. So I am allowed Woo-hoo! to be on this podcast. Right? <laughs> Happy birthday. Well, yes. It's 40 ish. It's just 40 ish. Oh my God. What can I tell you? Let me see. God, I've been in Virginia for 23 years. I've been married for almost 20. I have two boys, 15 and 17, and uh, they smell really bad. <laughs> But, um, oh, I love them. They are everything to me. Um, I started working at Misguided Angels, the cutest clothing boutique in the world, I say. Um, It's in Leesburg. And I've been working there for several years now. And uh, Kim, the owner, she's one of my closest friends. And I got to tell you, I love it. I love people. It makes me happy. Absolutely love it. And then recently, and I'm so excited about this, another good friend of mine owns a hair salon that's in Lansdowne now. I'm going to be helping her with front desk stuff, helping the girls. That I'm not cutting hair. That would be bad. <laughs> um, and then I'm going to help her like with doing some marketing things, which is what I went to college for. So I'm really excited. And I'm at, I am, I'm at that point where, you know, my kids don't need me like they used to, Mm -hmm. and I can't stand sitting around. Yeah. I'm like nuts. I'm in a good place. That's awesome. I'm in a good place. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like you're having a good time. I always have a good time. That's for sure. (laughs) I'm nuts. (laughs) So so Randy, tell us about um, Operation Hot Tamale and what? So actually, this does bring up the depression, anxiety, everything like that. My father, um, I don't even know when it started, but I remember him as only being depressed and being in bed or being in a hospital. Um, And it was 15 years ago, uh, March, that he took his life. And it was actually the third or fourth time that he did it and he succeeded. And um, I didn't know what to do with myself. And I called associations to volunteer my time and nobody called me back. And it was so frustrating. And you you just sit there like you don't know what to do with yourself. And all I want to do is just help, help, help. So several years later, like, you know what? I'm going to start a page called Authentic Fruitcake that is genuine, authentic, talking about depression, anxiety. This is the way it is. These are the things that I do. Um, Just a very positive page. But it was never, um, we, I did, I never had conversation back. I never had people that were posting anything. And so I kept that going for, I, I don't know, maybe two, three years And then my friend Kristen from Jersey came to see me. It was July of 2020. And we're sitting there. We're like, oh, my God, we got to stop with the eating and the drinking with the COVID and all that stuff. And um, I'm like, all right, you know, let's start a page on Facebook. We can be accountable to one another. And um, I'm like, you know, let's call it Operation Hot Tamale. 
And today it has, I think, 623 members and it's all organic. Like I have, I don't know how we got so many members. There's a lot of people that are quiet that I'll hear from through messenger. And it's not a public page. Like you can't just go on and click you know, follow or join. It's a private page. So you right. have to be invited. You have to be invited to it from somebody who's already in it. So yeah, it, I'm just, I'm, I'm it's a very organic thing. And it's not just a, you know, a Joe Schmo from yeah. who knows yeah. where joining the group. It's a very yeah. kind of, I don't want to say exclusive, but I mean, yeah. you're inclusive of everybody, but it is, you know, yeah. I invite only. So, right. <laughs> and you know what, if it was 40 people that truly enjoyed it, I, I would be so happy if it's, if it is 600 something people, I have no idea that are active, that are on it, what, looking at it. Um, you know, it is funny though, how I hear from people or I'll see somebody out and I never hear from them on the page and they're like, I'm watching, I'm watching. And there have been a couple of people that have actually gotten the balls to come on and tell us about their journey and start being accountable on the page and they're posting and, you know, and then it leads into these before and afters and it's so motivating and it's not just about physical, it's about mental and emotional and your career and family and it's wellness. I absolutely love it. I love it. I'm going to keep going. When I was describing the page to Dana, I was like, I think it started as like health and wellness. I said, but it became so much more than that. Yeah. And it, it was about just general wellness about, you know, both physical and, and mental and emotional. And, um, and I said, there's not a negative thing on the page. You know, people may, bend, people crazy. may say like, Hey, I'm not feeling the best today, but then everybody jumps in and is like, Hey, you can do, you've got this. You, yeah. You it's it's this. crazy. It's Facebook. Yeah. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. How'd that happen on Facebook? You know, <laughs> how did we get a positive so, page? Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up, I closed the authentic fruit, fruitcake page. Cause this was, there was action being taken. It just wasn't one-sided where I'm putting my stuff out there. This is where people are actually using strategies and working out and using healthy things to just become the best version of themselves. It it has filled me up. It definitely is a worthwhile pursuit. And I, you know, I love that you did it because you're like, you are one of those people you're infectious. So like you get, Aww, people, thank you. You get people going. So, you know, you should have a podcast too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you totally could. Usually, I might scare people. It's all, it doesn't matter. You <laughs> get people out of their comfort zone. <laughs> oh my God. Doesn't matter. All right. So Randy, tell me about how your anxiety and depression affects like your everyday life. So walk me through when you're not, and you say you're in a good spot right now, but when you're not in a good spot, like what's, What's that like for you? I was telling Dana that I've noticed from you that when you're in a good spot, you are, like I just said, infectious. You are all over. You are spreading joy and happiness to all that around you. And when you're not in a good spot, I think because you don't want that, whatever you're going through to rub off on others, you kind of disappear for a little bit. Yeah. I haven't personally reached out to you. I mean, I think I've personally reached out to you to be like, Hey, are you okay? I'm here. If you need to talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I haven't personally like probed you and said, what's that like, what's going on with you? Like what, 
What are those days like? Right, right. And what's funny is that I am in a down downtime right now, which is, huh. yeah. Um, I've had it since I was nine. You know, you try to you try to regulate it with medication, supplements, exercise. It's not just one thing. I always learn that the medication brings you to a certain level so that you can work on yourself. And I've been in therapy since I was nine, just constant and working on myself. And God, you know, my mom always says, you take three steps forward and two steps back. That's me. Yeah. Um, and here, you know, 50 years later, and it's like, I have a grasp on it and I know what I need to do. But I, I'm also like how you are. Like I sit down and I think about all the areas of my life. Okay. You know, am I upset about this? Did this trigger me? Did that trigger me? And my therapist taught me, I need to distinguish things between chemical depression and situational right now. And I can't even explain to you why. I know that it's chemical of what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, and I was going to go work out yesterday. And you know what? Sometimes you just can't. You just can't. Yeah. So um, it is a daily battle. In 2017 was when I hit rock bottom and I was on a medication called Abilify. It um, intensifies the effectiveness of the Prozac that I'm on. It was a very low dose, but it's it's for schizophrenia in higher doses. And I developed a tick on the side of my mouth and I developed, it's called tardive dyskinesia. And when I would pick something up with my fingers, my hand would shake. And here, you know, I think I have like a brain tumor or something. I went to go see the neurologist and he said, you need to get off the medication. And I happened to be the 1% that had a horrible time withdrawing from the medication. I was psychotic. It, it, it changed my thinking. I was so depressed that I wanted to take my life. It was horrible. And it was the first time I realized why people do it. The, the pain, it's so bad. You, you can't breathe. You can't find a place for yourself. Every minute feels like an hour. When is this going to pass? It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. And I don't think that anyone in my life or anything could equal that pain ever. It made me a stronger person. It made me realize what was healthy in my life. And I just kept working and working on myself. I am in a place where I do know how to handle it. And are there days that like, I may sleep a lot. Yes. I call it self-care. There's days that I don't feel like showering, but you know, I push myself to do it, but it is, it is a constant battle. I get scared that I'm going to fall again, like I did in 2017, but you know, you, you take it day by day. And I think I've learned that, you know, again, I bring my mother into this, this too shall pass. And I just wait for that time for it to pass. I don't want anybody to feel alone. Yeah. Cause it's a really crappy feeling. And one of, one of the things when I, and Randy, you know, I was on the school board and one of the things 
that was most impactful for me, and I think I've mentioned this actually a couple of times now, um, in explaining, you know, why I decided to go back to school. I want to get my degree in family and marriage counseling, because in my first six months, we had four suicides in our, in our schools. And typically you see maybe one or two a year, but in my first six months, there was four. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? What is happening with these kids? And a lot of it, I think goes back to well, one, there's a shortage of mental health professionals. Yeah. And so there's that. Yeah. But also too, like people not, and I know it's not, I, I don't want to say it's not like the school's it shouldn't be solely on the school's shoulders to yes. worry about the mental health of 80,000, 90,000. It's students. a lot of kids. It is. Yeah. But we, we do need to educate our teachers and we do need to educate our, our staff members to recognize when students are struggling. Yeah. And we do need to have resources in place for when that's identified. Yeah. I think that that's, that honestly going through that and being, towards the end of my term, I think is the, those last few months is when I really hit that, that depression spot and mm-hmm. feeling like I am carrying I, in, cause, because I do like I'm the mother in me carries the weight of yes. those yeah. 90,000 kids yeah. in the district where you're yep. like, Oh my gosh. Like, and every, it got to the point where our, our chief of staff dreaded calling me but he had to call me every time because I was at large so it was every every, you know every district I represented so he was so he had to call me first every time you know and you know he would be like I I hate to tell you this but here's what happened and I'm and every single time I'm bawling my eyes out and I didn't necessarily know the kid but like it it still felt like gosh what could we have done could we have done anything right you know and I feel like suicide is one of those things that I think people are starting to, I don't say there's a stigma on it, but I think mental health in general, some of that stigma now is coming off because I think people are starting to understand it more and understand that it's not a unique thing that a lot of people struggle. And so I think that that's a good thing is that Mm -hmm. recognizing that it's, there's, there's not, that doesn't have to be the stigma for having anxiety right. and there doesn't have to be the stigma for having, you know, depression and yeah. talk about it. And let's, yeah, you're not talk, crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're not, that's, I mean, honestly, that's it. I have a trigger where, um, I do get scared that I'm crazy again. I mean, that Back in 2000s, I have really, I have never experienced anything like that in my life. But yes, you know, people that have, unfortunately, you know, schizophrenia or they're bipolar or it's another mental illness that's severe. Yeah, there's not, there's not enough help. You know, and I'm seeing it now, especially with COVID, people that don't even have depression and anxiety have it. And you can't get in to see anybody. Everybody's booked. The hospitals are booked. You you can't. And for me, and I don't know if it's because of my age, I like to do things in person. It's, I guess it's just not intimate when you're doing Zoom, you know? Sorry. 
<laughs> oh my God, no, no, I don't mean this. No, I know, I know. I, I'm talking about like, if you're going to do group therapy, if you're going right. to do, you know, therapy with your, um, you know, your therapist or something, not like this. Well, and also I think body language says a lot. And so when you're only from, you know, here, yeah. you're not seeing the complete, right. the complete package of right. what's going on. With and somebody. me, and you know this about me, I'm very affectionate. I'll touch your arm, you know, I'll hug you. Like, I'm just, I'm very affectionate and I need that in my life. So it is, it's an overwhelming problem that I, I want to do something about. It's so big that I don't even know where to start. So you know what? I do Operation Hot Tamale. Every year I do the, I do the fundraiser for American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. I am involved in the walks and the hikes and, you know, things like that. It's, it's all I know to do. And I will tell you, you never look at yourself as like, I don't, the things that you said about me, I, it, it's hard for me to see myself like that. It's hard for any person to see how they truly are. And when I get notes or phone calls or texts, anything from people, I am so shocked that they trust me and that they believe in me and they want me to help them or they have a family member that's going through it and they don't know how to be. Um, It happens a lot. And I think it's, that's what, that's what fulfills me is that I'm actually helping in some way, but it's, it's an overwhelming problem. I, I'm going to, I want to play like the devil's advocate kind of here. Um, Cause I'm listening to you both. I, I mean, I'm coming from a definitely a different world where I never really had to deal with this. I've had like a small bout and I don't think it was depression. I think it was anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely get what I call the blues, but I can kick myself out of it within like three days. Right. Like I might feel shitty about something, but it's like, okay, stop crying and whining, get your ass in gear and do something about it. Right. I'm very lucky that I, I have not had to experience any of any of the things that you've gone through, go are going through or what Beth went through. I have an older daughter who experiences all of this and I want to go back though well, so my first, my first thought though, was you both said that you didn't feel like there was enough resources. And from my eyes, I feel like there are so many resources now. Like I like there's like four bajillion different apps and like my daughter, she was doing therapy through zoom, which I agree with you 100%. I don't like it. I would prefer to be in front of somebody when it takes out the distractions of everything else around you. You're there one-on-one with a person. That's my personal thought, but she, it, she didn't mind it. And it could be, she's a younger generation and this is how they're used to communicating with people. Right. Right. Um, but I, I just feel like there's a bajillion commercials talking about, and like every, TV show you see if there's suicide taught that here's a suicide prevention number. And I, I was actually talking to my mom about it today. And I was like, mom, when you were a kid, do you remember a lot of people with mental health 
and suicide and all this. She's like, no, she's like, there was nobody around us. Now there was, there was less people. Yep. There was less people. There wasn't social media. I don't think we pressured people as hard as we pressure them now. Like I think people are so pressured to do everything and be so perfect. And you have to have a perfect body and you have to be the perfect mother and the perfect wife and your house better be clean and you better have the, you know, everything. There's a lot of pressure on people for that, that I, I'm not so certain it was there when my mom was younger and she was a stay at home mom. But we were talking about it. We're like, is, you know, why is it so in your face now? And is it that we're just now talking about it and it was always there and it was just hidden, which I'm sure it was. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah. But even like when I was in high school, I think maybe one, one person committed suicide Two. No, I think it was like two people Mm -hmm. that I knew that had committed suicide. It just wasn't, it wasn't as big as it is now. And we definitely mm-hmm. didn't have the resources then that are available yes. to, to the kids and to adults now. Right. You know, so I don't know. Like, I hear what you're saying. You're saying there's not enough resources. I feel like the resources are out there. Is it that people are afraid to use the resources? Like, well, I think sometimes it's a money thing, too, because yeah. mental health care is not. It is expensive. Not cheap. And a lot of insurance companies, you know, they may pay a portion of it, but most of them don't cover full you know well, yeah. full amount of or they'll cover four or yeah yeah, yeah four sessions, cover four okay, what sessions. Does that do? and then after that you're you know, on your own yeah. and so a lot of people drop out of it or whatever but I also know that in this area particularly I know other areas struggle with it too but I know specifically in this area there is a shortage of mental health professionals and yeah. And specifically with youth and adolescents. So like, I know that for a fact, but I also know just in general, like people have said, I've, I've seen, you see people on pace, uh, post on Facebook all the time saying, Hey, I need a recommendation for yeah. a family therapist. Yep. I, I've called 10 different places and none of them can see me for four months. My marriage is going to be over in four, right. you know, before yeah. the four month, before I yeah. get in there. And I have and, people reaching out to me, asking me. I'm trying to get people through my doctor's recommendations and everybody is full. Mm-hmm. And it even, even it's, it's even a problem where someone may need um, a refill of one of their medications mm-hmm. or they just want to try something and trying to get in to see a psychiatrist, yeah. impossible. Yeah. So you can go to your general doctor, but can they regulate you like a psychiatrist can? No, I don't think they can. And I may be saying something wrong. Okay. I didn't know. No, no. <laughs> well, you're, you're saying I just, you think, you think you, you don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, so when I, like when I had my bout of anxiety, I was crying, crying. I was every day crying. And I'm like, yeah. what the fuck? is wrong with me like this yeah, is yeah, not yeah. me right yeah. and and I clicked it I knew mm-hmm. and so I went to my general doctor and she just gave me like some wellbutrin and she's like just take it for a month and just try and pop yourself out of that so yeah. that you can function because I couldn't yeah. function yeah um and that worked fine I was like I think it took it for like three weeks and yeah was, and in that good. in that situation it's great yeah but when you have somebody that isn't diagnosed what if it's bipolar? 
you know, I feel like, um, I, and again, I don't even know if I'm saying the right thing. I don't know if the general doctor has the same education as a psychiatrist. Probably I not. don't know. No, I mean, they, they no. do in the sense of they know what kind of dosing is safe, yes. generally safe, yes. but they don't necessarily know the science behind the, the brain chemistry and, yeah. and the, the level of medication. So and they're not, and they're most not of them staying. aren't super comfortable. They may prescribe you something like, you know, like something that's like, for instance, a, a, a Wellbutrin or right. one of those, they may give you something for anxiety or give you, you know, some Z- occasional you know, prescription for Xanax or something. Right. Situational type. Yeah. Yeah. Typically they aren't comfortable to, even if you take one of those things and and you feel like the dose isn't right. That's usually when they're like, ah, you really need to go see a psychiatrist at this point. Because that's happened with my son who has generalized anxiety disorder. And he was like, you know, it worked for a while. And now I'm feeling like maybe I need something different. Right. Right. And so, uh, so we went back to the doctor and they're like, yeah, you really need to go see the psychiatrist at that point because I don't feel comfortable. Like I don't want to mix medications. I don't want to. So it really is important to, you know, when you're talking about medications to be thorough about it because you can have adverse effects that we're talking about. Yeah. And even with a psychiatrist, you can have those adverse effects. Everybody's different. Yeah. And um, there's something to be said about women in our age group as well, because our bodies are hormonally going through changes just naturally. Um, Yay! I know. (laughs) So then are you like, am I depressed or is this just menopause? Well, I will will tell you, you know, full disclosure, I felt horribly off balance. It's the only way I could explain it. And um, I went to see my gynecologist and I'm like, can you do a blood test? Can you figure like, am I menopause? Like what's wrong with me? And I was lucky in that she gave me an extremely low dose of a hormone and it brought me out of that cloud because again, Randy gets scared that she's going to go back into that hole and we're going to have to mess with my medications or I'm going to have to take more or something And so I feel like easy fix, thank God for me, you know, with the hormone, but it was like, it's the only way I can explain it is when you're in one of those times of depression, you feel like you're underwater, like you can't breathe. And then you throw the anxiety into it and you just don't think straight. You can't find a place for yourself. Your chest feels tight and um, it's an awful feeling. And to go back to, you are correct that ever since we went through quarantine, they have the apps, the online stuff, which I think is absolutely so fantastic. I haven't heard any feedback about trying to get in touch with a therapist on there. I I, I have no idea. What I do know is that... Um, I think it was about five years ago, I became a co-leader for a mental illness group in the Loudoun area for NAMI. And um, tell us what NAMI is. Oh God, I forgot. Oh my gosh. I'm so bad. (laughs) Uh, Oh my God. I already, I forgot. Anyway, the people that were in the group, these people didn't have insurance. 
the doctors that they were going to were awful. And, you know, you hear about some hospitals that don't treat you right. And it's it's so upsetting to hear it. They couldn't get their hands on medication because they couldn't find a psychiatrist, because they couldn't pay for it. You are correct. Yes, there are resources now. Um, again, I, I have heard no feedback on how the online things have been going. I just know that people reach out all the time, you know, do you know a doctor? Do you know a psychiatrist? Do you know? Nobody calls me back. Um, you know, a friend of mine was trying to get um, their child into group therapy and it was Zoom. They couldn't even get them in because there were so many kids in it. Um, so it's, it's, it's scary. It's scary and overwhelming. Randy, I want to go back because you said you've been in therapy since you were nine. Yeah. So at nine years old, how does that happen? You know, how did, how did that happen? How did that happen with your family? And they're like, okay, well, she needs therapy. So I never remember my father not being sick. My father, my father was an eye doctor. And back then, years and years ago, you could write prescriptions for yourself. And nobody really knew how to treat depression. So the doctors back then put him on Valium, which is the worst thing you can put somebody on depression. So my father would bring himself down with Valium and then bring himself up on diet pills. Oh. I remember my father sitting at the dinner table and his face would fall on his food. It came out as anger, extreme anger from me. And uh, my mom, my mom is my angel. This one, I would not be alive if it wasn't for my mom. I was just very, I didn't want to go to school. I wasn't socializing. I was keeping to myself. I was crying. Um, I wasn't enjoying life. She got me into therapy. And <laughs> yeah, I remember driving out. We lived in Florida in Fort Myers and uh, we drove out to Naples like twice a week, my mother would drive me out there. I think it was like half an hour each way. I remember going to therapy then. Um, I mean, I went, even in college, I went. I have learned a little bit more from each therapist I have gone to. But I'll tell you something, if you don't have the strength, if you don't have the support trying to pull yourself through something like that, I don't know how you do it. For some somebody like me who have a child that's dealing with this, but I don't deal with it, and I try the best I can, yeah. You know? But it's it's frustrating at the yeah. same time. What it, you know? To me, it's almost like you can. I'm at the point where you can lead the horse to water, you know, but you can't get the horse. The horse has to yeah. drink on its own. Um, but what do you say and what do you do to try and help somebody help themselves? Well, you know, we're in a situation where my son has depression and anxiety. And uh, this is something I was always afraid of passing on to my child. Uh -huh. <clears throat> and me seeing it, it's the most hurtful thing in the world. And I blame myself. But again, I went to therapy for it. <laughs> and so I understand it. I can relate to him. 
My husband does not understand depression and anxiety. He doesn't know how to relate to my child. All you want to do is fix it. All you want to do is fix it. It's been very difficult with him. Like I said, I think he and I connect better because I use the right vocabulary. Uh Um, I can say, you're feeling this way. I get it. But it has been a struggle for my husband because you want to fix it. It's your child. Right. And you don't know how to. Right. And it's extremely frustrating. Does the frustration go away? No. It's, you know, I mean, it's. And it's it's sad and it breaks your heart. And then. It does. Yeah. Oh oh my God. Now I will tell you, um, my son's therapist is, he's wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful. I love this man. I would call him crying because I just didn't even know what to do. And, you know, he made a very good point that I keep in my head all the time is that if you help your child all the time, you hold their hand, they're never going to learn how to be an adult. They're never going to learn how to handle situations in regular life. And when I know that I'm giving every resource to my child that I can, that my child knows that I'm there if you need me. I'm going to tell you, I don't, I am not a religious person. I am spiritual, but I go to the serenity prayer. I just, I have to go to that. And it makes me feel better. Yeah. Cause there, there definitely are things that are out of your control. Yes. You can throw every resource that you know to throw at it and it nothing changes. Yes. And that's added that's out of your control. Yeah. And that is hard sometimes as moms to yes. be like, okay, well, I feel like I've done everything. Oh, I, I know. I know. But you do have to do that sometimes. Yeah. It's difficult. Yep. It definitely is. Yeah. It's really hard. And, you know, you want to, and even, you know, even when your daughter, the boyfriend breaks up with her, you know, whatever, and your child's hurting so badly. It's like, just stick it in me. I'm an adult and I know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But again, it's not, we're not made that way because they have to learn the coping mm-hmm. strategies. Which that, all of this kind of makes me think too, though, about the way we're parenting. And all of a sudden there's so much anxiety. I mean, I know yes. kids, they won't get their driver's license. I was there the day I turned 16. I know. Me too. But is this, is this part of the reason? Why, why are so many kids? I mean, I do think it, I mean, I think it's part of it. And I, you know, I, Dana, you know, I had this struggle with Caleb. Like I had to, his senior year of high school, like before, like a couple months before senior year, I was like, all right, enough. You're getting your license. Like yeah. I need you to drive. Yeah. Like, I'm not driving you around for the rest right. of your life. And he was, and it wasn't necessarily, I think for him, because he does have the anxiety issues Mm -hmm. that he's had forever, but I don't think it really, I think some of it stemmed from that, but some of it was being lazy. Like some of it was just being like, I don't really need to drive, you know, like. Do I feel like kids are more like that now? Yes. Yeah. I mean, my son was like that too. I don't know. Caleb at a very young age, we recognized that he had some anxiety. And it just kept escalating. And I think I remember like finally realizing it because in the, in the beginning you're around them all the time. You know, I know for me, that was my situation. I was around him all the time. 
and he had bad separation anxiety anytime I did leave him. Yeah. And I remember when I, when we put him in preschool, it was, you know, I was pregnant with Ella and I was due in October and we started him in school in September. And I was thinking surely by October, he's going to be used to that. He was only just going two days a week, but I figured he's, he's going to get used to going like half a day for two days a week. He's going to realize mommy always comes back. Well, after two months, the kid is still crying his yeah. eyes out. Yeah. From the time I dropped him off until the time I picked him up, when I picked him up, he's like doing the, you know, like because oh. he's been crying so hard the whole time. And it just breaks my heart. Oh, yeah. I knew it's what I needed. To, I mean, like, I know I need to keep doing this because he yes. eventually he'll realize this is okay. And this is fun. And I get to see friends and I get to, you know, like, and he did, it just took him longer because he had all these anxiety issues that we didn't realize at the time he had. Yeah. But when it got to be six years old and it was around his birthday and he sees on the TV that the circus is coming and he's like, Oh, I really want to go. Can we, it's coming on my birthday. Can we go? And I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. So we got tickets we start walking up to the Coliseum and, you know, day of his birthday. And he, we, we stop about a hundred feet from the door and he, he's like, I can't do it. I, we got to leave. I can't do this. And I was like, what are you talking about? We're not even inside yet. Yeah. And, you know, I thought maybe he might have a little bit of anxiety with like all the action going on inside and the live animals and right. things like that. But it was the crowd. It was, there's all these people and we're all going into the same spot. And, I, I think that had been the first time that we had taken him to something like that. And he just was like, I'm not. And we we're like, no, we bought the tickets. You're doing this. Yeah. And he was like, uh. so he sat there, but he was white knuckled, petrified. Yeah. The entire time. Yeah. But we made him do it. Yeah. And after that, we were like, okay, this is something's going on here. Like we right. really, this is not an isolated incident anymore. It's not. There'd been a couple little things here and there. And so we took him in and we had him evaluated and right. thought maybe, maybe he might, my husband was convinced he was on a spectrum somewhere. And I was like, no, I don't, you know, I've done, a, I've done a time I was in school for education. And so I was like, oh, he doesn't really fit the bill. Yes. He has some anxiety issues, but whatever. And then they came back and they're like, yeah, it's generalized anxiety. Like he's not on the spectrum. He doesn't really fit the bill, but he definitely has some of those tendencies, especially with the anxiety. Yeah. But it's because he's a really smart kid and he doesn't, he thinks about things differently. And, and those things are very real things that most, uh, you know, maybe adults worry about, but like kids don't normally. And he right. right. And so they said, let's try him on medicine. And I was like, he's only six. Like I'm not putting my six-year-old on right. medicine. And they're like, well, listen, let's give it a try for like a few months, six months to a year let him experience different things with the medication so that he realizes, Hey, okay. Yeah. I can do this. This isn't so bad. And then wean him off. And that's exactly what we did. And it's not to say that he never had anxiety again. He definitely does. And still does. He definitely, definitely did. And still does, Mm -hmm. but he has learned how to cope. Right. Part he has recognized when he does need medicine, like, Hey, well, after his first year of college, he's like, I think I need to be on a little bit of medicine. This is a, a tad bit overwhelming. Like yeah. I'm doing well in school, but the social aspect of it is a little, you know, so I'm like, okay. So, you know, he, 
handle that. I mean, I'm like, you're an adult now. You got to go talk to the doctor. You need to, to handle this. You need to learn how to, to deal with this as an adult. And I think along the way, like we as parents, that's all we can really do is we can try and prepare them to make good choices for themselves. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, we can guide them. Yep. But once they're 18, we can't make decisions for them anymore. Yeah. And so I think it's really important through this process that, you know, we are including them in the decision-making process. Like, Hey, you know, how are you, yes. you know, and I'm sure it sounds like that was almost maybe, maybe your mom had done that throughout, you know, your upbringing to make sure that you, this was something you still wanted to do. You still want to go to therapy. This is helping you. Um, and I think that that's really important, Dana. So when you're talking about that with your daughter, like you want to make sure that she's, she's comfortable with where she's at. Does she need more help? Does she need, she feel like she can back back off. It sounds like she's still struggling a little bit. She's struggling really bad right now. Like, Oh, it's bad. Like breaking down like at minimum once a day. Give her my number. <laughs> I know I, she doesn't it, know me well, but oh, I, you know, I honestly, I would. It's 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 hard because it's it, at the point when you it you know you give the advice, you get your head bit off like that. Okay, and then when you don't give it, you don't say anything. Why aren't you saying it? It's like okay, right. I cannot do anything. You, you can't right. win. Right, right. So it's, put, it's hard. You can put all the tools in front of your child, mm -hmm. but you can't take their hand to pick it up and use it. Yeah. My biggest problem is that I remember how I felt all through school and high school. And my parents divorced when I was 20, after 20 years, not when I was 20. We moved from Florida to Philadelphia and with my grandmother. Talk about a culture shock. I was really bad then. You know, it did get to the point my mom was very good with, you know, you have a choice to do this or this. And it did get to a point that I got so bad that we looked at hospitals and I walked into one of the hospitals. I was so scared. I was just scared because there were people there that were sick. Yeah. Not with depression and anxiety. I was like, that's, it's not me. And somehow I had the strength to pull myself out. A lot of people don't, but it did get to several times where my mom was like, you know what, if this doesn't get done, I'm going to have to look into, you know, putting you into a hospital because I want you to be safe. Right. And I don't know if it's a horrible thing to say. It's the only way I can explain it. My father is what keeps me going. Because I don't want to be like him. Yeah. You know, he he had a chemical imbalance, but he, you know, he that's what keeps me going. I, I never want to end up like him. That is so my oldest, she's my stepdaughter, but she says the same because her mom deals with bipolar and depression. Yeah. And we, you know, and we see we see this. And we remind her and she gets mad because she doesn't want to be anything like that person. Right. And so that's difficult too. Like yeah. to admit, yes. admit. And I think that's, that's part of it is. is yeah. 
because it Mitty. sounds mean. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, dad, I never want to be like you, you know, but um, thank God for my dad. Yeah, it's not that you don't want to be like that person. You don't want that version of that. Yeah, you don't want to deal with that, that, that unhealthy part. Yes, I get that. And it makes you it makes you get angry inside. Yeah. And when I do go through these things, and I find myself staying inside, or laying in bed too long, whatever, I get angry. And honestly, I'm like, fuck this. I don't even know if I can say that word on here. I've already said Um, it three times. (laughs) You did? I think so. Oh, good. You're my friend. Um, But no, you do. You're like, damn it. Fuck this shit. I got to get up. I got stuff to do. And that's, I will tell you, I'm so grateful to that job at Misguided Angels. Because that got me out of bed. It made me take a shower. It made me yeah. get out of here. Um, I'm, thank God for that. So I, I want to go back to 2017 when you said you hit your bottom. Oh, You know, what's great is you're talking and, it, and it, it makes me feel more positive about the situation here that you recognize it. You yeah. can feel like I can feel when I'm having PMS, I can feel it. I know. Oh, and yeah. I, I warn my family. Yeah. Hey, you know, and I feel like, okay, well maybe that's a good sign when I really go through menopause and all hell breaks loose. Cause my mom, you know, I was talking to my mom today and she was like, you could, I knew in my head I was acting like a crazy person, yeah. but I couldn't help it. And yeah, you know, she ended up getting on estrogen and that totally and whatever. Yeah. Drop. However, so you, you go back to your 2017, you said you hit rock bottom, but did you know, and were you seeking help and were you trying to get help or were you just there? Like what happened and how'd you get out of it? I feel like, I think it was also because of the kind of person I was and there were things that I never dealt with that I was drinking a lot. I was smoking a lot of pot. I was out partying all the time. I neglected my family, which to this day, it feels like a freaking knife in my heart. Yeah. Um, and it was right after the neurologist said I had to go off the medication. And I just kept going down and down and down. And it was August of 2017 we go to Dewey Beach every year. We rent a house. And I was in bed the entire time crying. Oh. And my son would come in. My older one couldn't deal with it, but my younger one, he would come in to see if mom was okay, just to check on me. Um, and I feel like the pain that I felt, it was like a near-death experience. I don't even know how to explain it. And um, it took a long time to get that medication out of my body, a very long time. And then one day it was like, I realized I was breathing again. And I was able to work on myself again. And that's when I started working on myself to deal with the crap that I never dealt with, liking myself and learning about boundaries and saying no to people and 
you know, realizing what's healthy in your life and what's not. I learned, I guess, from hitting that rock bottom and I have, I've learned what is true joy in life. It's, it's little things that fill me up. I wish it could happen. I wish I could give that to everybody. And it's, I guess you could call it a blessing in disguise because I, I feel like I had a near-death experience and I don't think anything can compare to what I went through. So it's kind of like, you know what? If you pissed me off and I say something to you and you don't like it, it kind of can't hurt me any more than I was hurting back then. So it makes it easier to open my mouth now. <laughs> it makes it easier to put boundaries up and, you know, that kind of thing. I think that's interesting that you say that it felt like a near death experience and how your outlook changes coming out of that. And, and Rainy, I don't know how, I don't know if I ever shared this with you before, but like I had a near death experience. Like I, I literally should be dead. After Ella was born, I had a, a ruptured splenic artery aneurysm and uh, essentially died twice while they oh were my God. on me yeah. and coming out of that for the first several months, I was pissed off. I was pissed off that I was alive. I was mad. I was it was so torn with my emotions because here I did have this beautiful little baby and a toddler and a husband who I all loved and adored, but my body was in such a state of pain yeah. Both physically and mentally. Yes. That I couldn't see past my own pain to, to recognize the good that I had around me. Right. And it wasn't until I went to like a, an appointment with my surgeon, like to do like follow up. And, you know, he had asked me, he's like, Hey, we're thinking of writing you up in a medical journal. Do you, we have your permission to do that? And I was like, you know, still at this point, really not understanding how lucky I was to be sitting there and breathing. Yeah. And he was like, I was like, I'm not really that interesting. Am I? He was like, no, no, no. This is like, this is like a big deal. Like, yeah, you, you lost every bit of blood you had in your body and somehow yeah. you survived. Yeah. And so he's like, you we're, we're writing this up and it's very rare what you went through to begin with, but for it to be four days postpartum is even more rare. And like, we need to write this up. I was like, yeah, you do it. We'll do whatever you want. But I remember walking away from that thinking, I think that was the first time that I was like, Oh shit, I'm, I'm still here. Right. You know, like I, my reality is I could have been not here. Right. And, you know, my husband would be raising our two babies on his own and I wouldn't be able to see them grow up. And so immediately my mind, almost, it was like a switch went off and immediately my mindset and my, my outlook changed. Like I'm here for a reason and I am a religious person. And so that yeah. was a difficult place for me to be in, in that moment yeah. and not feeling like being, I was mad at God. I was like, why would you leave me here in this much pain? Like yes. I'm pissed off at you. Like yeah. I am suffering. And I think that switch that went off like I immediately started feeling better. I got up, I was moving more. I was, you know, more present. I was like, okay, I'm ready to get life back to normal again. And it was this, this difference. And I have, I feel like not to say I still have had my moments. Absolutely. I've had my moments with getting low. And I, I mentioned 
the one I had just recently. Yeah. But for the, for the most part, my outlook has been, we don't, we are not promised tomorrow. And so we've got to make every day, like we've, we've got a life's too short. So we need to surround ourselves with, with things and people we love and, and, and spread that love and joy to others and try to bring it. And that's why I think our County right now, our country right now is tough. It sucks. I think I'm running for president. Huh? I'm thinking of running for president. (laughs) Randy for president. It's, we would be, it would be a blast. We would have so much fun. That would be funny. Um, but I think just, I mean, people, whether, whether you believe in masking or not masking, heckling a student at a school board meeting is ridiculous. And that just pisses me off. And I'm like, come on people. Like we are human. Like we're all human and we don't have to agree. We were given free will will for a reason. We don't have to agree 100% with everybody and you're allowed to have a different opinion. Yes. And if, and if we didn't have that, then what the hell are we doing here? Like go to a different country in my opinion. If you can't handle somebody else's opinion, you are in the wrong country. Right. So I'm just, I just think that right now it's uh, people suck. (laughs) Yeah. And I hate yeah. that because I love people. So, but like, so I feel angry. like we are just what's being displayed in the media constantly is the people who suck. Yep. And and I and I'm sick of it. I'm, and yep. that's what you know. Dana and I've been talking about this, and we'll talk about it some a little bit later. Is the whole kindness thing and just really getting people to just a- acknowledge that people aren't really that different. You know, you may have different independent, but deep down, we're really not that different from each other. And we all want the same things. We all want to be happy. You know, we all want to be happy. And that's why when you get in these states, it, it, it almost, it's hard to, it's hard to explain really when you get in that state, because you don't, you don't sometimes, I know the last time I just really didn't understand it myself, like yeah. why I was feeling the way I was feeling because I wanted to fix it. I really I, did, but I, I couldn't understand. And right. I, I didn't have the tools and I know that there's resources out there, but when you're feeling despair, you don't remember the number to the suicide hotline. Right. You don't. Right. And you don't, you're not even thinking about it. You're not thinking, is there a resource to help me right now? No, you're not. You're thinking, Oh my gosh. I just, I, I just want to, things would be easier if I could just close my eyes and not wake, wake back. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's scary to even say that out loud because I know. that was how I was feeling. Yeah. But it is. And then when you come out of that and you realize, Oh wow, I was really in that spot. And in our last episode, it was all about how to say no. And at the end of the episode, we started talking about my, one of my very best friends who committed suicide and how I still carry guilt over that because she had called me a week or so before in, you know, we lived, she lived in Virginia beach and I was here and I had not um, called her back yet. Mm -hmm. And is because the busyness of life. And I have said to myself, you know, would things have been different if I had picked up the phone? Would I have, you know, and so I carried that guilt with me. And that was part of what 
led me to start bawling my eyes on the last episode was because it was like, okay, it's time to let that go. Like, I'm never going to have the answers that I want. I'm never going to understand why she did what she did. Right. But I can't blame myself. And even if I had picked up my, uh, up the phone, the chances are things would not have, that outcome would not have been different. Right. And so I think when you think back on your time, you know, do you think there's any, anything that you can pull out of it to share with others of like how you, how you, something beneficial. So something positive, even though that's a really bad place to be, have you pulled anything positive from it? For me, I, I, I have, I feel like I've become a different person um, in a good way. Mm-hmm. And my strength is when you know what you that you've gone through that, it's like, I got it. Not a problem. I can handle anything. But what I tell people, and it's simple, you you can't think about the next hour. You can't think about the next two hours or tomorrow or whatever. I had to think about every half hour and living through that half hour. And it was like, okay, you made it through that one. Let's get through the next one. And then as time went on and we found the right medication for me, then it was like, okay, let's take a day. Let's just live today. You wake up in the morning. It's like, okay, made it another day. Let's just keep going here. And then time just kept going and, and all of a sudden you wake up, you realize getting better. Yeah. But when you're in a situation like that, everything is overwhelming. Everything. Do you think you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned that there were certain things that were leading up to, you know, getting that low that you, you knew you needed to change. Yeah. So what were the things that you like kind of stay away from now that you were doing back then? Like, have you cut out drinking or have you just like reduced it? Like what, what kind of things have you, or people, have you cut out people from your life that maybe weren't a, a good influence or maybe were, you know, bringing you down, like just negative. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've changed. I realized who was healthy for me, who wasn't. Um, I realized that drinking all the time, it's a depressant. And even though, you know, it's fun, I can't do it all the time. Because I'll tell you something, if I go out and have a blast for the weekend, I don't feel good for a week. I go, Um, unfortunately, I think the biggest thing is boundaries. Mm -hmm. I learned boundaries. I felt like I was doing too much for people, things that I didn't have to do, but I like doing it because it makes me happy. But I've pulled back from that and I focus more on me and my family now. Um, we keep saying this, like using, putting on your own oxygen mask Yes, before you yes. put it on others. Yeah. And, um, you know, I haven't been feeling good and it's like, all right, 
Now I'm starting to get mad. Stop this crap. Get your rear end on the freaking Peloton for 15 minutes. There's no, you know, go for a walk. Like enough with the excuses already. And like a robot, I have to put my works workout stuff on as the inner child in me is screaming at the adult, <laughs> I don't want to do this. That's not depression. That's normal. That's normal for That everybody. happens anyway, <laughs> yes. Um, and then, you know, you and yes, you are correct. I start, I I literally start to feel better yeah. when I work out. Mm-hmm. And it's the best medicine for depression and for anybody i mean it helps you sleep better it's yeah. but it's good for anxiety too because yeah it's great for anxiety yeah my husband has generalized anxiety and so he stopped taking medicine because the medicine was giving him like all these other side effects mm-hmm. so he stopped taking medicine and it was like almost a year before i was like I was like, did you take your medicine today? He's like, I haven't been taking my medicine for a year. And I was like, what? Like, why don't you go off your medicine? I was like, oh God. So I think um, but he had been working out and like that was that was helping. You know, that was Yeah, I I think you find your way. You find what you need to do to, and it's it's not just one thing. I can't sit there and work out all the time and with no medicine. Uh I can't if I eat like crap you know, but I'm still working out. It All the little pieces have to come together mm-hmm. and balance out for me to feel my best. And it's just, or I think a normal human being feels that way, but I think it really affects the chemicals in my brain. Yeah. 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 How's your, how do you feel about like community? Does that help you? Like having a community that you belong to, you know, yeah. some people it's church or, you know, yeah, whatever community awareness kind of thing. Um, but I feel like that is a big part of what's missing in a lot of people's lives right now. I'm just trying to figure, like in my mind, I'm trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Why is every, like, it's just, everybody seems so sad. I and know. I'm like, what is going on? I know. And I do feel like that's a huge chunk that has been removed is this community chunk. Uh, One with COVID. I mean, I totally get it. You can't be around your friends. All you're talking to is a computer. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I like to hug people. I like to touch people laugh with people. Yeah. Um, And I get that. I totally get where COVID has really messed up some people. Um. But, you know, I just wanted to see on for you, where, you know, where have you found your community? Facebook. With your hot tamale page. Yeah, this is the strangest thing. With me not working all the time, I wish I could work full time. But with me not working all the time, I feel very removed. Mm-hmm. And I'm such a social person. Does Facebook get on my nerves? Absolutely. Am I obsessed with it? Yeah. But I use it because it keeps me in touch with people. Mm-hmm. I see what's going on in their life. You know, um, thank God for texting and messaging. And honestly, I put funny stuff on Facebook because I like to make people laugh. Yeah. But it opens a window for me when I'm, and I, and I notice that. 
that I noticed it when we were all stuck in our houses. Thank God, because I would have lost my mind. But um, Operation Hot Tamale, it's like it's like my little group. You yeah. know, we don't even all know each other or we haven't met in person, but it's accountability. And it's amazing when you can put out there that you're not feeling good mentally and people just cheering you on, sending you texts, sending you um, messages. It, it's it's amazing. Yeah. And when we get to it, I will tell you something that was done for me out of kindness that had a huge impact on me. There's been a lot of things in my life um, but recently, the beginning of the year, I was, I received a really nice card in the mail and oh, I'm excited. Shocked. I'm excited. Here. Okay. Well, I have one more question Yeah, and then maybe we'll get to that. And yeah. Beth might have other questions. How, I think we kind of started talking about it, but how do, if I was your friend, which I am now, maybe I'll reach out to you, <laughs> but if, we can if, FaceTime. yes, if, if, <laughs> You're feeling blue, or if I feel like, hey, something's going on, what's the best way do you think to approach that person and to talk to that person? Like, I know everybody's different and everybody's going to have their own little, like, yes, things, but it's a, such a sensitive subject to talk to somebody about they're their feeling bad, they're depressed, or they're having anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know in my situation, when it's your kid, your kid can snap at you because you're their yes. parent. So it, yeah. it's different. Yeah. But what are the words? Like, what do you want to hear? Like, what in, for you? Who is that? Finn? <laughs> for you, in your darkest hour, what, you know, your son came. That obviously meant so much to you. Like, you, like, teared up. You're like, my son came every day and checked on me. Yeah. I have a problem as a person that I don't want to open up when I don't feel good because I feel like I'm a burden. It It is a weird thing. I don't know why, but I have a very difficult time asking for help or telling my friends I don't feel good. I don't think my, you're unusual in that. I think I think we all we all yes. struggle with that yeah. asking for help when you yeah. need it. For me, my closest people know that when I go quiet, Beth, when I go quiet, they know something's up, but they also know with me, you can't push. Don't show up at the door. Don't start sending gifts or food. Like, don't. Just send me a heart on text. It's, it's just knowing that you're there. Yeah. For me, it's all I need. It's somebody saying, I'm checking in on you. It's that's it. That's all I need. I just, I need to know that my little support system is there. Yeah. And I take screenshots of the things that people have sent me, the, the, words that people have said to me that again it's like I don't view myself like that I'm just Randy you know and I I read them 
And I keep them because even though they're not there, sometimes you need to remind yourself. Yeah. 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 You need to remind yourself that you're like that people appreciate you and think you're amazing and you're worth having in their life and checking in on. Yeah. And it's, um, it's absolutely amazing. The love and support that I have in my life. Um, I am so blessed. I can't even tell you. So I am, I am really lucky and I know that I'll never fall because I'm going to have people standing behind me to hold me up, you know, to push me back up on my feet. So, um, I'm very lucky that I have that, but for me, it's, it's easy. It's how are you? Do you need anything? Checking in on you. And it doesn't even have to be every day. Yeah. That's what means the most to me. I mean, you can bring over wine if you want. That helps, (laughs) you know, but you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's just that. I'll send you like dirty memes. (gasps) Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Because I tend to post inappropriate things on Facebook too. So good. Yes. That will give me more variety. (laughs) (laughs) I know for me when I'm feeling well, and I get really bad seasonal depression, like uh, where, and I think this is why I gain so much weight typically in the, in the, when it starts getting cold, because all I want to do is sleep and eat. Yeah. I don't really want to do anything else. Yeah. Um, So, but I know when I get down or when I'm really in a bad place, I, I typically don't necessarily, and I'm usually a very social and talkative person. And usually my communication style is like, talk it out. But when I get to that spot, I just, I really just want quiet. Yeah. I just need to be in my own space, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I want to be alone. Sometimes I want, I want someone there, but I don't want to talk. I just want to know that somebody's there. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. that's how I know when my text dings and there's my friend, one of my best friends, you know, and all they did was sent me a heart. Mm-hmm. You know, you just know they're there. You, you realize you're not alone. Yeah. And that's, and that's, I think what's the hardest thing for me is that there's not enough Randy's in the world to be there for everybody. And it's, it's overwhelming that I can't do that. So I feel that too, Randy. I really do. I, I do what's possible. I feel that too. I know I, tr- I try to, I'm, I'm working, I'm working on the boundaries and I'm working on the saying no and putting, yeah. trying to put up my own oxygen mask on. Yep. First. It's a work in progress, but yeah. people like us that are like, have that ingrained in us, like I, I, for whatever reason, and I think it, it also has to do with, I think it, I'm a true believer and we're getting to this episode. We're going to be doing, working on personality types, but I am a true like ENFP. So like, I don't know if you've ever taken Myers-Briggs or any of those personality tests, but I'm just very um, emotionally driven. So like, uh, I, I feel what other, I'm, and, oh, that's, you're an so, like, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling what other people are feeling, but I'm yep. also like, 
very energetic and very caring and very creative also at the same time. And, mm-hmm. but I'm also independent. So like, I yeah. don't want people telling me how to do things. Like, yes. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, so a lot of it has to do with my personality and, and that part of me wanting to just be there for others. It's not only selfishly, it's not always for them. Sometimes it's for me, you know, sometimes, you know what I mean? Right. Sometimes it's for me because I like helping and that makes me yeah. feel good. And so, yeah. yeah. You know what? We'll be working on it until the day we croak. I know. Yeah. Yep. So let's talk about real let's quickly let's talk about not quickly, however you want along you want to talk about it. Operation Hot Tamale. What are some of your hopes for Operation Hot Tamale? Like what you know, what would you like to see happen there? You know, it's funny. I was have been asked that and I'm just letting it roll. Yeah. Would I love to have, would I love to have more help and have like, you know, different parts to it? It would be great. Everybody that helps me, there is a, I say to all of them, we're not getting paid here. We all have lives. If you can't do something or you're stressed out, tell me, like, you don't have to do it. it it's fine. Um. Do I wish it could, I, do I want it to reach more people to help them? Yes. Um, but wherever it goes and it looks like it's going in a good direction. Yeah. I yeah. Think so too. I think so too. I think for me, because I've been a part of the group, I think since the beginning, you invited me right away. Yep. Um, I've seen it grow. And I've seen, and I'm not, I'm not one. I mean, like every once in a while I'll chime in, but like, I'm, but I watch, I'm one of the people who watches. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I love reading the page because it's always good stuff. You're always throwing funny shit out there. (laughs) Like I needed that laugh today. Um, so I am really appreciative of the page, but I think to be perfectly honest, if I were you, if it didn't do, if it didn't do anything more than what it does now. that's sufficient it's yeah like I'm I'm perfectly happy yeah it's a good thing yeah and if you see you know and the way I see it is listen I'm going to invite you if it's not you go off of it don't stay on it because you're friends with me and if I you know if I see the numbers go down you know what it's just not right for that person so it's okay so Beth invited me. Can people find it or do you have to be invited? So I just changed it where it's visible. I think to join, I don't know what the heck it looks like anymore. Well, when I went through it, you had to say, how did you find out about us? Yeah. And I said, Beth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So if people go on that are listening and maybe they want to join, maybe, you know, I don't care who you are, if you have depression or not, everybody needs a support and a cheerleader, oh, yeah. like 100%. Yep. Yep. So if our listeners wanted to come on, should they just put like, what the 40-ish and how did you find us? What the 40-ish podcast? Yeah. I want to follow you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so it. I'll put, a, I'll put the link like in our show notes so people can find you. 
Well, thanks. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So tell yeah. us now, because now you've you've given us a teaser about your kindness story. So we always like to close our show with yeah. our guests sharing with us a, a time when someone was kind to them that really made an impact on them was maybe a day when they just really needed it and they didn't know they needed it. Um, and then we have a kindness challenge. So yeah. we always like if our guest wants to create, create the challenge for the week, then we, we love that. And if you're not comfortable with it, that's fine too, but we've talked about it and I think you're good to go. Yeah. And have a good yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, share your story, share your kindness story with us. I find it amazing that things happen when you need it. Um, I went out, I met, there was this woman that I met a while ago. Um, I met her at the store and, um, when I was working and we hit it off because we're both just ridiculous sickos and we just have the same sense of humor. And she asked me for my address, like the end of the year. And I'm like, huh, because we don't, we don't talk on the phone or, you know, communicate a lot. And it was a day I really needed it several weeks ago. I got a card from her and in it, she wrote how she felt about me. And I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked because again, she is not active on the page. We don't communicate a lot. And sitting down these days to take a pen and write down on a card the way you feel for somebody or a thank you or a you're welcome, I feel like means so much more than anything else than you can give somebody. So she sent that card to me and I, I read it and cried. And I, and I told her, I said, you completely lifted my entire day just from your words. And again, you don't believe those things about yourself. Um, so that leads me to my challenge for you. Okay. You have to minimum one card. You have to go to the Hallmark store, wherever. You have to get one card for one person. And you have to take a pen. And you have to write words in it in cursive. <laughs> And for all of you that are young, I know that'll be difficult, um, but you have just, just write a nice note to them. Stick it in the mail and mail it. Don't even tell them it's coming. Just surprise them. Yep. That's, that's my challenge. And I plan on February 1st, giving Operation Hot Tamale that challenge. And when they do it, they have to post it. So that is my, that's my kindness story and okay. my challenge for you. When Beth and I do it, we'll post it on your, on the page. Good. We'll post a picture of our sending, sending our cards. Yeah. Yeah. And I love this one too. Cause I think we've talked about this a couple of times. I, there's something about getting 
a card. Something about getting yeah. a handwritten piece of something where someone actually took the time to write it out and, yes. and put their thoughts yeah. um, in it. I was, my husband's really good about that. Like he's good about like writing me. It's usually like on special occasions, like my yeah. birthday or anniversary or Mother's Day or something. Which yeah. Coincidentally, they all fall within two weeks of each other. It's like my birthday <laughs> and then it's our anniversary. No, then it's Mother's Day. And then two weeks later, it's our anniversary. So yeah. Oh, yeah. I get, I get bombarded like three times in a row and then. Just hold uh, on to them. And pull them out in like go. November. Or don't I open am, them. Like, I, there you go. Who I, I am working. I'm, I'm not super sentimental that way. Like I'll, I mean, I'll cherish it and I'll remember, but I don't, I should probably hang on to those. I, I do have a couple of special ones. But I don't hang on to every card that was ever written to me because I just yeah I don't find I can't hang on to things like yeah that. yeah or I would not have room for anything. Yep. yep, yep. If they're just signed, no, I'm not holding on to that one. Right, but if there's like a note in it that yeah. like has affected you, trust me, I got my little cabinet over there, and I got my little cards and printouts and everything of things that have like hit me and you go back and you look at them when you feel like crap and you feel unloved or you feel lonely and it makes you realize you're not so yeah got my little cabinet over there well Randy I I need you to know that you are loved and even now people, you're going to make me cry. No, again. I'm going to cry too, because you are loved, even with people who barely know you. People I love who, you. I don't know you. I would totally <laughs> I'm in be love with friend. you too now. Will you marry me? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so people who even barely know you are, you're like a magnet. You, you, you make people feel good. And 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 that's enough for people. You know, that's enough for people. You make me laugh hysterically. And I don't think you even realize how how much you've made me laugh over the years because you you just you don't care. Like you'll just put it out there. And sometimes for me, laughter is the best medicine. So like yeah, that is like a dose usually as usually when I need it, as like, oh Randy, thank you. Like <laughs> That just made me like several, I mean, like I can't even count the number of times where you've posted something that I'm crying. I'm laughing so hard. So good. Just know, know that about you. And I think you probably do, but you probably need to be reminded. I mean, and it's hard because I have this problem too. When people, it's hard to hear compliments about yourself, Yes, but you need to hear it. And know that you are so loved and cherished by a lot of people and you're doing a good thing. Operation Hot Tamale, even though, you know, you never probably intended it for it to be anything more than like, Hey, just like a encouragement group. Yeah. Lose weight has evolved into this, this page of, you know, positivity and encouragement and, and it may not be anything more than that ever. And that is still a wonderful, good thing that yeah. you have put out into the world. And well, thank you. And um, 
I'm appreciative of it. And I know many others are too, even though I'm not like, I'm, like I said, I'm not one that's on there every once in a while pipe in. I think mostly because I'm, I'm afraid of the accountability. I'm afraid to tell anybody what, what I'm up to because I, I yeah. don't want the accountability, but yeah, um, that's yeah. for me, but I, I love to encourage others. And that's usually when I pipe in is when I'm like, Hey, you got this. Good. Um, but uh, well, thank you. Yeah. Thank so, you. so Operation Hot Tamale on Facebook, is there anywhere else that people need to look for you? No. Yeah. Okay. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe you're going places, girl. Possibly to Leesburg. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. No, it was awesome. It was a great conversation. Yeah. It great. It was really a great conversation just to learn and to hear, you know. And I met you. And and I met you. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm pissed off at Beth now because she didn't introduce us back when we could have really hung out and made a difference. And FYI, that's next week's podcast, why she's pissed off at Beth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. So, Dana had this one really weird dream about me one time. We're not going to go into the details, they were <laughs> but she had this one really weird like dream about me. And I realized after, because at the time we were like, we worked together, but technically, uh, technically I was her boss. We worked more like a team, but I must've been giving her like shit work or something because <laughs> after this dream, I was like, gosh, I'm like, am I a horrible, what am I doing? And so, yeah. Um, I remember just like at that point I was like, you know, I need to like make sure that she feels fulfilled in her job and you know maybe that was just on your mind. Yeah. I yeah. just have weird dreams. You do have weird dreams. Last well, I night I had a dream I was playing poker with Jack Black. So Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And I've had dreams that I've squirted macaroni and cheese out of my armpit. So <laughs> I gotta like, tell you, that's an interesting one. I gotta go. I, okay, just don't let me when you come. Don't let, don't visit when you come. <laughs> I have the weirdest dream, and I remember them. I, I that that we that we could do an episode on dreams alone. I yeah, know. but oh. anyway. So, Randy, thank you again. Yes, thank you. you. And maybe we'll bring you back on again to talk about okay. more stuff. Fabulous. Yeah. And Beth, you and I, let's get something on the calendar. Yeah, we do. We need All to go. Right. We need to go do something. Sounds good. All Thank right. you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on What the 40ish. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear some more, please hit that subscribe button, leave us a review or share with your friends. We would love for you to follow us on Instagram at What the 40ish. And remember, we're all just trying to make it through. So do something kind for someone else today. Even a smile goes a long way. <laughs>